If you enjoy these speakers, please consider joining us at the OA Birthday Party this January 18th through 20th at the LEX Hilton in sunny Los Angeles. This event includes workshops, speakers, marathons, panels, special focus meetings, and more with hundreds of OA members from around the world. Registration is just $45 through Thanksgiving and $55 after that. The OA rate at the Hilton for up to four people per room is just $134 per night. There is a hotel shuttle, so you don't even need a car. If you're interested, please visit oabirthday.org for more details. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Veronica. Hi, I'm Veronica. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. And um, I'm really grateful for this program. I um, I want to thank Rashad for asking me to come out and share tonight. Uh, he called me like nine days ago, and he said, "Hey, how you doing? How's your program?" And I was like, "It's great." And then he goes, "Would you like to speak?" And I said, "Yes," because I've been taught in program that I say yes to service. You know, that's what my sponsor has taught me, and I'm so grateful for that. And then I hung up the phone, and I felt hungry all the time. Okay? So if you can relate to that, you're probably in the right place. Okay? Um, so I want to thank uh, my sponsor for being here, and uh, women that I sponsor. I love you. I love you. Um, my abstinence is um, no throwing up no matter what, and I've been abstinent since July 27, 2009, and uh, I'll share a little bit of what, about what it was like, what happened, what it was like for me today, and um, I love that I don't throw up today. I can't, I can't believe that I don't do that behavior today. I, I never dreamed that I would not be able to ever stay stopped, you know. Um, but just a little bit of um, my childhood. So I am the oldest of four girls, and I have two older brothers, and we're Mexican. Uh, my mom has a third grade education, and my father was 22 years older than my mom. And uh, I grew up in a really crowded household. We had to share everything. I hated that we had to share everything. And like my aunts would come over and some of them would stay for a couple of weeks. And like there was no boundaries. And from a very early age, I remember um, food was a big deal in my household. Like we ate all the time. And it seemed like the kitchen was always open, you know. And um, I was an overweight child. I don't ever remember being thin. Um, I loved eating from a very young age. I felt, first I was really angry because there were so many of us. 
And then I was angry that I had uh, responsibilities taking care of my younger siblings. I hated that. And um, I always felt like separate from, you know. And it was always loud in my, my house, and I hated that too. Um, and I had a best friend who was an only child, and I loved her. I wanted her life. And I spent as much time as I could with her. Um, they would have dinner every night at the same time. Like, I really liked that, you know. And then you go to my house, and it was just like chaos. And so I wanted her life. And um, so I'm overweight my whole childhood. And in high school, I was a monitor. I was a locker monitor, and I would go through your lockers to steal your money so I can pay for, like, really fancy um, lunch food, you know. Because um, I would always, like, want to go off campus and eat and go to the restaurant to eat um, food, like, high-calorie food. And um, when I was... Um, like 15, I asked my mom to take me to a diet doctor, and this doctor gave me um, diet pills, and I lost like 40 pounds. I was feeling really good, and uh, I went back to the doctor, and he wouldn't give me any more pills, and I was like pretty devastated. I really loved how these pills made me feel, one, and two, two, um, I lost all this weight, and I was finally getting attention from the boys. And so um, that's when I discovered bulimia. Like you can eat anything you want and then get rid of it. It was like the perfect solution for me. And that kind of became um, like a habit for me. I just started eating whatever I wanted and I would throw it up. And um, I lived like that for many years. Like that was my solution for many years. I remember um, I got a job with the airlines and um, I was a flight attendant, well, a flight attendant. And I would serve all my first class passengers and I would wait for them to, you know, finish eating and, and then I would eat all the leftover food in the galley and then I'd go in that little lavatory airplane um, you know, the little airplane lavatory, and I would throw it up, like little lavatory. And they're so small, and I would, that's how I would do. I would just, like, eat the, eat the leftovers and throw it up. And I would pray that none of my coworkers were, like, seeing me because my eyes would always get bloodshot red and, like, watery. Oh, my God, then I had to, like, you know, brush my teeth. And there was, like, a whole process. There's a whole process to it. And then I had to reapply my makeup because I... You know, my mascara would run, and it was just like, it was insanity. Um, so I did that for many years until I came into, I got sober. So I went to Alcoholics Anonymous because, you know, I love also drugs and alcohol. And um, I got sober, and I was still throwing up, like, three years into sobriety. And... Um, I would be I would be in the meetings and I would be thinking about my binge like where am I going to go which drive through am I going to go through um, what am I going to eat tonight I wasn't even listening to the speaker you know 
and I, I like I just wasn't present. Everything in my life got better except for the food for me, and um, and I remember telling my sponsor, you know, I'm, I'm, so I didn't tell a lot of people about my behaviors. I was really ashamed. There's there's so much shame for me being a uh, bulimic. It was a a very secretive. I felt like I had two lives. You know, it was very secretive, and um, I just happened to tell my sponsor because at that point I felt like a fraud. You know, I was doing all these things in sobriety, but I was still like going to the food. It didn't feel sober to me. It didn't feel spiritual to me. And so she um, she told me that I might want to come to a. a OA meeting, and at the same time, there was this woman in AA who lost a lot of weight, and she was really happy, and I was attracted to her. You know, I was, I was like, I wonder what she's doing. She looks really good, and she's lost all this weight, and she's so happy, and so I was attracted to that, and um, so when I came into the room, uh, I found out that she was coming to OA, and then at the same time, my AA sponsor told me to talk to Leslie, who's my sponsor and has been my sponsor for nine years. And God bless you. God bless my sponsor. Like, God bless sponsors, you know. Um, she is the voice of reason and has helped me so much. So thank you. Um, so I came into OA, and I remember... Um, I did not. I did not ask Leslie to sponsor me right away. I came and actually, she was not my first choice. I came and I asked these because um, I was a little scared of her. I came and I asked these two other women, and they both said no to me. Oh my God, my heart, it broke my heart. Like I wasn't used to uh, people in programs saying no because where I got sober, we are taught to say yes. Um, you know, so it hurt my feelings, and but you know what? I was like, I was so afraid of throwing up again, and like I just couldn't shut my head off. You know, I just, I was like, just willing to come back. So I, I just kept coming to meetings. Like my first month, and I couldn't stay abstinent because I hadn't had a sponsor. And at that point, like 30 days into coming to OA, I, I had Leslie to sponsor me, and she's like, sure. And um, that's what started my journey here, and I've been here a little bit over nine years. And um, I, um, the food for me in the beginning, for the first couple of years, was really messy because, um, like, my first year, like my, what was important for me was just not to throw up. So that meant I had to be willing to be uncomfortable when I would eat. So I would eat, and, um, like, I had to be willing to feel full. Like, it was okay to feel full. I had to just sit through it. And, it, you know, the feeling of feeling full would eventually pass, you know. And um, that's just one of the things I had to do to be, to not throw up, you know. I had to be willing to just sit through the uncomfortableness of feeling full because, when I was in the food and when I was in my disease, like, I was, I would wake up and say, okay, I'm not going to throw up tonight. Or I'm not going to do that today. And then, like, the minute I would take that extra bite, I was just, 
that was something would trigger it in my brain and I'd go straight to the bathroom and do my thing, you know. So when I got abstinent, like I just had to be willing to feel full. And the feelings passed, you know, and that was so hard for me. So hard for me. And also I, I gained a couple of pounds and again I had to be willing to to, you know, if that if if me staying abstinent meant I was going to gain a couple of pounds, then so be it. You know, I just did not want to throw up anymore. I just did not feel spiritual, you know. And so um, little by little, I started getting some time under my belt. And um, so I started coming to a lot of meetings and working the steps. And there's something about coming to these meetings that slowly... Over time, by just coming here and hearing your guys' experience, strength, and hope, little by little, like, my food started to clean up on its own, you know. um, You know, from working the steps, I got a lot of awareness of what works for me as far as food. And um, I I don't compare, I don't judge what I eat and what like others eat like my food plan is very private to me and it works for me and I've learned that through trial and error through the years that I've been here so um, and my food has changed over the years and um, I so that's how that's what that's what would it was like when I was new and today so about three years ago in Halloween I, um, my girlfriend and I were in charge of giving out candies at this big fancy house up in the hills, and they bought like those king size bars from Costco, and this was like three years ago, and um, I hoarded like the chocolate, I hoarded like a couple of chocolate bars, and I brought them home, and, um, and I felt so awful about hoarding these chocolate bars. And I would come to these meetings, you guys would say, like, I don't eat flour or sugar. And I would, I would sit in these rooms, and I would be like, I want that for me one day. Like, how in the world are they doing that? Like, that's what I want one day. Like, I never dreamed that I would be able to have that and get that. And so three years ago, when I hoarded all those candy bars, um, I said, okay, maybe it's time now for me to try not to eat recreational sugar. So I decided I wasn't going to eat recreational sugar and I have to say I have not eaten that for like over three years now and it's only because of your guys' example and um, and I also incorporated no flour so I don't eat uh, flour and recreational sugar for like the last three years and I feel so good about that and uh, but my food is not perfect it's not perfect and um you know, this program for me, like, it ebbs and flows. There's times when I am when I feel really good about coming to OA, and there's times where I don't want to come. There's times where I don't want OA to be the solution, you know. But, but what I always remember, and I can never forget, that I am a compulsive overeater, and I am powerless. I am powerless over this disease, you know. And without this program, my life becomes unmanageable. So, um... So it's just, it's just God's grace that I'm, you know, been able to abstain from flour and recreational sugar. 
And um, so for me today, this is definitely a spiritual program for me. And I love that about this program. It's an attraction for me. And, um, you know, I have my routine in the morning. I, I wake up, I pray, I meditate. I, I can't I can't emphasize how much meditation has enhanced my abstinence. It's like a game changer. You know, I'm up to, I, I can meditate anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. And um, I just love the quiet. I love being quiet. I, I really appreciate uh, the quiet. Like, I don't like anything. I don't like the TV or the radio on in the morning. I don't even like to drive with the radio on. I just like it quiet. And I really appreciate my neighbors because they're quiet. And, um, and I, have a, I have a big God today, a big God. And um, I feel his presence like when I go on these nature walks and I feel him at the beach. I, I feel his presence when I'm quiet. Um, and all this I learned here in program. This program has helped me like grow up and become an adult and become responsible here because I don't want to be a grown up. I don't. I do not want to be a grown up. I want to be. I want to like stay on the covers all day. I don't even want to get out of bed. Um, that's my disease, you know. And. Um, So yeah, I I got to grow up in this program, and uh, it's a daily reprieve for me. Uh, my problem is that my disease, I have a spiritual malady, and I had to look up the word malady in the big book, because I don't use words like malady or resentment. I don't use those kind of words, you know, why can't you just say angry, you know? And um, so, you know, the malady means a sickness. So I have a spiritual sickness, right, a soul sickness. Uh, which only, which only a higher power can fill. That's it, you know. And the way I feel God's presence is also coming to these meetings, and I feel like God speaks to me through you guys. And in the beginning, when I didn't think it was possible for me, I just acted as if God was working for me, anyways. You know, He was working for you. Something's working for you. So I just had to act as if in the beginning. And um, I felt working for my sponsor, so I just I just kept trusting in God, you know. And um, I can't tell you how much I wanted um, AA to be my solution for my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I did not want to do two programs. I tried. I really tried. I started sponsoring more women in AA. And that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, that was not giving me relief for me and my compulsive overeating disease. It was not giving me the relief that I get when I come to these meetings, when I talk to you, when I identify, I come here for the identification, you know. My girlfriend and the other programs like, why can't you just like, have one cookie? What's wrong? Why can't you just have one cookie? And that would make me want to go buy a dozen cookies and eat a dozen cookies. You know, I would eat one cookie in front of her, then I'd drop her off, then I'd go to the store and buy a dozen cookies, and eat a dozen cookies by myself. I would eat at you. So this is why I don't talk to people who are not in this program about my eating disorder. You know, I, I don't. Um, 
I don't debate with them, you know, like what the big book says, like you stop fighting everyone and everything. And I love that. Like, I don't have to debate you today. Um, so that's how, uh, that's a little bit about my program and just, just to get current. I come to a lot of meetings. So about a year ago, I, I, um, I was flagging off, you know, as one of those periods where I don't want to do OA, I don't want to do OA. And, uh, but, but I started getting the thoughts of like wanting to throw up again. So that, that was a, a sign for me that like just recommit. I don't have to relapse. I can just recommit. And so that's what I've done. I just recommitted and I just, I come to more meetings. I say yes to service. I take service commitments. I sponsor women. That's really helped me. And, um, so the big tester for me is how am I applying these principles in my, with my family, at work, with my relationships with women, in, in a relationship when I'm in a relationship with a man. So this is why like, I just love this program because I get to apply the principles that I've learned here into those areas of my life. And um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And I have a mom. I'm going to talk about my mom because I don't have a boyfriend. If I had a boyfriend, I'd probably talk about him. Right? <laughs> so, uh, no, no, all seriously. Seriously, my mom, it's, my mom's a big part of my life, and she has been. Um, I help take care of her. She's 77 years old, and she has dementia, and she lives in Torrance with one of my other sisters. And um, my sister and I... We have this love-hate relationship, and I feel like I feel like we're a married couple, and our mom is our child. No, I feel like we're a divorced couple, and our mom is our child. And um, and you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? And so every Saturday, okay, so every weekend I go. My commitment is I go every weekend and I take my mom for the day to give my sister a break, right? That's my commitment. And so I, I pick her up early in the morning. And then, and so anyway, today, um, like for the last two weeks, my sister and I, there's been a lot of tension. You know, it's just a lot. Uh, she feels like we're not doing enough. And um, she's, it doesn't matter, like, what I do. Like, it's not enough for her. She's like that kind of person. So it's so hard to have a relationship with her. However, what I've learned here is that I show up anyway, and I don't always have to like what I'm doing. I just have to do it. Okay? That's a big one for me. I don't have to like it. I just have to do it. And um, I show up. And today, I, I, I um, was really nervous because Thanksgiving's coming up, and what I want to do is I want to take my mom and just take it to a restaurant and be done with it. That's really what I want to do. However, I can't, I can't do that. So I put my ego aside, and I walked in the door, and I said hi to my sister. I asked her if she wanted breakfast, if she wanted to join my mom and I for breakfast. And then I asked her what she wanted to do for Thanksgiving. And... She seemed to be in a really good mood after that. And I was like, thank God that I was willing to put my ego aside 
and be nice. Because I just want to have a comfortable, quiet holiday with my family. You know, I don't want to, I don't like living in that angst anymore, in the tension anymore, you know. And, um, and I was so happy that I said that right when I walked in. And it just kind of set the tone for the rest of the morning, you know. And um, I, I just know that if, if I want to change how I feel about my sister, I have to, I have to treat her differently, you know. And all it took was me being kind to her. And because um, my mom says that my, mom, my mom's the one that suffers because she sees us not getting along. So uh, my mom says that we're very proud. And then I don't even try to explain to my mom. You know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't debate with my mom anymore. I just kind of let her have a show, you know, let her rant about anything she wants. That's part of being a good daughter too. You know, it's just like letting her have the floor, you know, because she's 77 with dementia. She won't remember anything later anyway you know so all that I've learned here in program like and I love I love what Leslie has taught us too which is um, like these four things that she's instilled in us and reminds us that, that are so important um, is to act better than you feel which I'm really good at that especially at work um, be on time uh, treat others with kindness, even if they don't deserve it, and do what you say you're going to do, which is pretty much, you know, the program. Uh, and, and it's just so much, such an easier life to live by the principles for me. Um, so I am so grateful that I know what my problem is today and I know what the solution is you know and when I'm struggling the answer is always the same the solution is always the same it's more meetings a bigger God help others that's like always the solution you know um, so I think with that I'm gonna thank Rashad again for asking me to share and thank my daily practice, sure. I wake up, I um, pray, and I meditate anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. I read a couple of books, The Courage to Change, The Daily Reflection, and Voices of Recovery. Um, I pray throughout the day. Throughout the day, God help me, God help me be kind. Um, I pray before I eat. Um, I pray after I eat. Uh, often I prepare my meals. I cook a lot. Uh, I make uh, a lot of outreach calls. A lot of outreach calls. I have to connect with my fellows every day because there's always someone that I could um, help by calling. You know, I call a lot of um, new women in program, and I try to get to a meeting. Uh, recently, I'll do some writing. I'll do a 10-step. Um, 
make a gratitude list. So it's a lot of everything I learned in the program. I, I use, try to utilize all the tools. So, again, thanks a lot. And, um, happy holidays.